Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Isaiah chapter 40. Oh, I want you to know it pays to serve God. I tell you, God does so much for His children. Thank God for His goodness, His grace, His mercy, for how much He loves us, for sending Jesus. You know, you must understand that Jesus is the gift of God to the world. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But then you must understand that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, is the gift of God to the church or to His people or to His children. Amen. So if you've received the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, it would behoove you to also receive the person and the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, you know what we're talking about when we talk about that. We're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, because we do know the Holy Ghost does abide through the new birth. But you've received the gift that God gave to the world when you received Jesus, and there is a dimension of the Spirit of God that is now on the inside of your spirit, but God wants you to have power. He said, you'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So God, uh, what's amazing about God is all of the things He gives us. Well, He gave us the world. He gave us creation. He gives us the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky. He gives us the seasons, the rain that comes from the sky. He gives us seed time and harvest, which without seed time and harvest, we'd all starve to death. Amen. Thank God for the principles of seed time and harvest that work in agriculture. We, we, We wouldn't have any bread to eat. He gives us Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior, as healer, as our righteousness, our peace, our joy, our prosperity, all of the things that Jesus is to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit that abides on the inside, the Holy Spirit that empowers on the outside, the gifts of the Spirit that come with it, the fruit of the Spirit, of the human spirit, the recreated human spirit, all of the motivational gifts talked about in Romans chapter 12. All of the ministry gifts talked about in Ephesians chapter 5. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. All of these things. Then you talk about the Word of God. He gives us the Word. You talk about the church. He gives us the church, an entity on the earth, the family of God, working together to bring the purpose of God into effect. You begin to think about the favor of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the kindness of God, the love of God. Man, I mean to tell you, you start meditating on the love of God, the love of God and the gift of God, you can get real excited real quick. And not only does he have all this stuff, his willingness to get it to us is, is overwhelming. God wants you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed. You say, why? Because he's done more about getting you blessed than you have to do to get blessed. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants you saved and healed and filled with the Holy Ghost and prosperous and full of joy. You say, well, why am I having such a struggle? Well, we know that there are things here on the earth. There's an adversary to the humanity, the devil. There's, there, there's the world system that's against us. There's our own mind that we battle with. There's our own flesh that we battle with. There's a, there's a battle that takes place here on the earth. There's the, uh, the enemy's always trying to steal the victory of God from you. But if you'll stand in faith and believe God, I guarantee you, your heavenly Father will come through for you. Amen. Now here in Isaiah 40, let's read some of this. and we'll, We've got a few minutes we can study this together tonight. Notice there in verse, let's look in verse 28. 
there was so much in the chapter that I, uh, I could teach on. I just thought if I'd get started, that would take me weeks. So I felt like coming down to this very end part of it. It says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. Now notice this. Our God, he feigneth not. That means God doesn't give up. Let me try that again. That means God does not give up. You know, I just, I just finished a book. Just, I just, just today, I just finished a book on Galveston, during, Galveston Island during the Civil War. And right after the end of the Civil War, uh, after the Emancipation Proclamation, after the Confederate garrison had, 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 had relinquished its uh, authority and the, uh, 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 the uh, Union troops had moved in and, and taken over Galveston, uh, a man came from New York City and wrote an article about Galveston Island. And this is what he said. He said, if ever I had been in a place on planet Earth that was forsaken by Almighty God, it's got to be Galveston Island. And I thought to myself, brother, you may have lived back in 1865, but God has not given up on Galveston Island. Amen. He hadn't done it. I know it's been destroyed several times. I read of the, fee, uh, the yellow fever epidemics that took two of them during the uh, uh, one before the Civil War, two during the Civil War, all the destruction that takes place, all the immorality, all the junk and guard, all that kind of stuff. But still, God has not given up on Galveston Island. The proof of it is we're sitting here tonight. Amen? So that's good news for where we live. But what about you personally? Sometimes it may think, you think, well, Pastor, you talk about what God's doing in your life personally. You talk about what God's doing at the church and all these testimonies you have. But I look around my life and it doesn't seem like God's doing anything. Look, just stay with it. Don't give up on the God that won't give up on you. He believes in you. He has faith in you. He knows if he can get his word in you, if he can get his spirit in you, and if he can get you to overcome all of the obstacles that the world, the flesh, your mind, and the enemy tries to put in your way, he knows you will be the victorious believer that he has called you to be and that he says you are. He sees you as more than a conqueror. He sees you as prosperous. He sees you as healed. And what God sees comes to pass. What God sees and what God says comes into existence. He calls you more than a conqueror. He calls you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He calls you an overcomer. He calls you a king and a priest unto the Lord. He calls you a victor in Christ. He is not and will not give up on you. Amen. So, he is neither weary. There is no searching his understanding. You know what that means? Don't try to figure him out. He said, like, I'm going to figure out God. Well, I can't even figure out my weenie dog. Or my parrot, amen? Much less try to figure out God. No, don't try to figure it out. You know, it's kind of like this. Don't need all this intellectual explanation for everything. Just enjoy what God gives us. People want to know, you know, who the Antichrist is. Who cares? I'm not going to be here. People want to know all this stuff, all these intellectual questions that rise up in their mind about the things that we, I'm kind of like this. You know, I don't know how to fly an airplane, but I know how to buy a ticket. And I may not know everything that God does, but I guarantee you I got the ticket to what he does right here. 
And if you'll realize that, then you'll walk a simple life, a simplified life in the Spirit, a simplified life of faith. It won't be so complicated. Listen, receiving from God is not complicated. God gave us Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to show us how simple it is to receive from God. When you study the signs, the wonders, the miracles, and the healing, you will see that simple, common people received major miracles from Almighty God through the Lord Jesus Christ, but the religious mind and the educated mind and the Pharisee and the Sadducee and the lawyers of the day and the hour, they literally rejected him. You say, why? Because they had complicated everything. They had complicated the law. They had so many traditions. They had so much going on. Jesus came in and just simply did the will of God, and it very much intimidated them. So keep it simple. Everybody say, keep it simple. It says, now notice what it says in verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. Woo, have you ever felt like you were going to give up? That's what the word faint means, of those that are getting weary, those that are getting weak. You ever felt like you were getting weary, getting weak, that your faith was being tried? Oh, pastor, I just need a breakthrough. I just need... Well, the Bible says God will what? Give you power. Let me ask you a question. Have you asked? Have you sought? Have you knocked? Have you lifted your hands up and say, Lord, I need power. I believe I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Well, that's what it takes. It takes you positioning yourself, hearing the Word of God, acting upon it. And it's amazing how God will give you the power that you need. I'm telling you, He'll give you supernatural power. We showed up in the Philippine Islands in 1989 to preach a conference there. There were several other speakers scheduled, and they all canceled because of all of the insurrection that was going on there. Well, I was the only one left. So they scheduled me seven meetings a day for five days, 35 meetings. Well, I thought, how am I going to do that? You know, they say speaking... Public speaking for one hour is equivalent to working eight hours physically. To working eight hours physically. So here I was going to have to work seven days in a day. So I Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're out three interpreters. Amen. Then we got in the, uh, got in the Jeep and drove back to uh, uh, Zimbonga and got on the airplane and flew to Manila and had Easter lunch. Then got on another airplane and flew to Honolulu, Hawaii and had Easter lunch again. Lee and Miss Redmond were so tired, they looked like zombies walking down the hotel room. Hotel room. Uh, well, that was my first trip to Hawaii. I put Leah in bed, tucked her in, gave her a kiss on the cheek, and I ran to the beach. I rented me a surfboard. I paddled out on the south shore. It was about three to five foot. I caught about three waves, and, and I didn't have a, a, a strap on my leg. And I lost my board, and I'm out there about a quarter mile in the ocean with these big waves running, and I'm just going, glory to God. I'm in Hawaii. You say, what do you mean? He gives strength to the faint. He will strengthen you when you learn to draw off of the strength and the power of God. He is to remember the almighty God. He is the God that will strengthen the weak. Some of you are getting weak and believing God in your finances. Weak and standing for your healing. Weak and believing God for your family to get saved. Weak and believing God for your business to take off or a job to come to you. You've got to make a stand of faith. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. He doesn't, He's not weary. He doesn't faint. I'm not going to be weary. I'm not going to faint. I can't do this in my own strength, but I can do it in His strength. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, no might. You ever gotten there? You thought, I, man, I ain't, got, I ain't got nothing left. There ain't nothing left. What does he do? What does God do? 
he increaseth strength. Woo, isn't this some good scriptures tonight? Some of you may be needing this tonight. He will increase strength. He will put strength on the inside of you. Now notice this scripture. It says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. Now notice that again. But they that wait upon the Lord. They that wait. Now notice what it affects. It affects two things. It affects your walk. Everybody say my walk and my run. Everybody say my walk and my run. So first of all, you've got to learn to wait upon the Lord. Now that that doesn't mean you say, well, okay, pastor, I'm going to go home. I'm going to sit. I'm going to wait on God. I guess I'll watch TV while I'm doing it. Eat some bluebell ice cream while I'm doing it. Drink some Dr. Pepper while I'm doing it. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. But if you study that word, there's more of a definition towards serving the Lord as a waiter would serve an individual in a place of uh, a business, where, like a restaurant or somewhere. Walk into a, a, an automotive shop and, and, and they wait on you there. Go to buy tires and somebody waits on you there. There's that type of definition in it, that there is activity in waiting. Amen. I mean, if you walked into a restaurant and there sat a row of men, all of them dressed a certain way, and up above it it said waiters, and then you went and sat down at a table and nobody ever came to your table. And so you ask somebody, is somebody going to wait on me? And said, yeah, we've got six guys over there. They're all waiting right now. <laughs> You'd probably think, well, I better find me some other place to eat. <laughs> Amen? No, they've got to get up. They've got to come to the table. They've got to wait on you. They've got to find out what do you want. What do you want to order? What kind of food do you want? What kind of tires do you want on your car? Do you want an oil change? They wait upon you. Now listen, to wait on the Lord means there's activity. Thank God you're here on Wednesday night. You say, why? You're waiting on the Lord. The Bible says if you will wait on the Lord, I like this, this is so good. If you will wait upon the Lord, you shall renew your strength. That means serving God does not deplete you. Serving God strengthens you. Remember, everything in the natural wears out with the using. Let me say that again. This is, just, this is just the way it is. Everything in the natural wears out with the using. Our carpet is wearing out. Our chairs are wearing out. Our sound system is wearing out. Your vehicle is wearing out. Your clothes, your shoes, they're wearing out. Your physical body is wearing out. The only way to stop any of that from wearing out is to quit using it. Amen? That's the way the world system that's the way it fell. It fell into that. Spiritually, it's just the opposite. Things increase with the using. So, well, Pastor, I, I'm, a, I'm afraid. I don't want to pray too much. <laughs> I don't want to use too much faith. You see what I'm saying? No, your faith does not wear out with the using. Your faith increases with the using. Your prayer life does not wear out by praying too much, your prayer life increases with everything in the spirit realm. The more you do it, the more it increases. The more it 
it's just like giving. The more you give, the more it comes back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. The more you walk in faith, the more you want to walk in faith. The more you read the word, the more you want to read the word. The more you go out and minister, the more you want to go out and minister. Everything you do that is connected to God, that is spiritual, does not wear out with the using. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Amen? That's why you see some of these guys late in life. I remember Dr. Lester Summerall. He was 75 years old, and God gave him the greatest. He called it the branch. He kind of described his ministry as a big tree. He said, the Lord gave me the greatest branch of my ministry at age 75. Spoke to him about the end time Joseph program, still going on today. The Lord spoke to him. He was praying in Jerusalem with Rod Parsley and Ulf Ekman. Ulf Ekman pastors a church in uh, Uppsala, Sweden. Uh, Rod Parsley pastors a church in Columbus, Ohio. They both have big churches, but they were just young pastors then. They were all praying together with Brother Summerall. He was 75 years old. The Lord spoke to Brother Summerall and said, he said, in the earth, my people, my children pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And they go to bed hungry. He said, I want you to answer their prayer. I want you to begin to feed the hungry Christians of the earth. Well, Brother, Brother Summerall said, when the Lord said to me, I said, why don't you get young Rod Parsley? Why don't you get young Off Ekman? He said, because I got you. He says, it took me 75 years to get you to the place where you could hear what I'm telling you now and obey me. He said, I want you to go out and buy a C-130 aircraft. You couldn't buy a C-130. Those are all, they're all owned by the military. You can't go out and buy one. I think they ended up with, what, three? And a ship. And they started feeding people all over the world. And by the time Brother Summerall went to his reward, they were feeding people on every continent. They were doing it through churches. They were doing it through pastors. And it was causing great revival everywhere they went. You say, why? Because you don't wear out spiritually. Amen? You don't wear out. You wait upon the Lord, and you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now notice this. This is unusual. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Now, there's an unusual phenomenon that happens with eagles. Most of the eagles we see around here are the, the, the Mexican eagle that comes up from Mexico. You see them on the Mexican flag. We did see a bald eagle right over here in Winnie. When was that, Alan? Two years ago? We saw a beautiful bald eagle over there. When bald eagles, Mexican eagles, or any bird in the eagle, when they get a certain age, which is late middle age, they get very lethargic. They get very weak. They begin to molt. They begin to have physical, all kinds of stuff begins to happen. Those eagles, what they'll do, and it's the male eagle that this is common to, those eagles will get in an updraft and go thousands of feet in the air. Uh, some, some people, some uh, scientists say that they go as high as the airlines fly. Did you know up there it's like 13 degrees below zero? 30 degrees, I'm like, you know, it's a documentation of, of eagles being 20,000 feet in the air. I'm like, man, that's impossible. They go up there and they fly. They have not been able to explain this. But up there in the, in the air where there's very little oxygen and it's super cold, something physiologically happens to them. Something changes in their metabolism. And when they come back down and hit the ground, they have the strength of their youth. They live out the rest of their life as a young eagle and not an old eagle. Isn't that amazing? 
That's documented. You can get some ornithology books and read about it. It's amazing. God says the same thing is true of you. You can do what? You start feeling like you're burning out. You start feeling like you're, you know, having a tough time. Well, do what? Well, begin to mount up. Begin to get up in the high things of God. Quit worrying so much about your needs. Amen. Quit saying, well, I'm spending all my time praying over this financial problem, praying over this deal at my job and my family. No, no, no. Rise up. Start, start getting up above all that stuff. Start seeking God for who He is. Start praying and worshiping Him for who He is. Start glorifying and magnifying Him and just, and just worshiping God. Mount up with wings as an eagle, as an old eagle looking to renew His youth. Amen. And if you'll do that, God will cause a spiritual change on the inside of you and you'll hit the ground and you'll be strengthened. You'll be strong in the Lord in the power of His mind. Now notice, notice here. They shall mount up their wings with eagles. They shall run. Everybody say, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. Everybody say, walk and not faint. Now let's go backwards. Let's talk about walk first. They'll faint. They won't give up. Number one, walk. Everybody say, walk. First of all, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. The Bible says in Galatians uh, chapter 6, do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. One of the major temptations of the enemy against people like you and people like me is to get you to give up. He's constantly in your ear. He's constantly in your mind telling you this does not work. It's not going to happen. That's all fantasy. They're lying to you. They're trying to just get your money so they can have a better car, so they can live in a better house. That's all they really want. It's all a big lie. You ought to get the tape from Sunday morning. The tape, the CD. That still dates me. Get the CD from Sunday morning when we taught on the devil. The Bible says he's what? He is a liar. He is the father of lies. And the truth is not in him. Now, let me just help you. Anytime the enemy is trying to get you to give up, he will begin to bombard your mind. Thought after thought after thought, negative thought after negative thought after negative. You ought to ask yourself this question. If you're going through that right now, and the enemy's trying to get you to give up on your healing, give up on your prosperity, Give up on what God says about your family. Give up on your business. Give up on your job. If he's bombarding your mind right now, you ought to ask yourself this question. Why? Why? If you weren't a threat to his dominion over you, he wouldn't say nothing to you. If you weren't doing something that was pleasing to God, he wouldn't say nothing to you. If, he, if you weren't doing something that was having an effect in the spirit realm, he wouldn't say nothing to you. If something wasn't coming to you on the path of righteousness that you're walking, he wouldn't say a word to you. He'd leave you just like you are. But if he's bombarding your mind, if he's trying to rob you of your sleep, if he's trying to tell you it's not working, it can't work, it's not going to work, that's all a bunch of fantasy, that's all this, that's all that, you ought to just say, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's got you so stirred up, devil? 
What prayer did I pray? What praise did I relieve? What scripture did I confess? What was it that hit you between your eyes and knocked you flat on your back and proved that Jesus is Lord and that you're defeated? What have I released by faith that has unleashed something in the unseen realm that's racing toward me like a steam engine down a track that you're trying to get me to quit? You're trying to get me to give up? You're trying to get me to faint? Well, the Bible says we do what? We walk by faith. Not beside. Amen. Secondly, we walk in the Spirit. Everybody say, walk in the Spirit. The Bible says over in Galatians, if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusteth after. That means your flesh will tell you, no, man. It doesn't feel like anything's happening. Well, we don't live by feelings. So, well, I, I just don't feel like anything's going to happen. Well, that, 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 that's no indication of whether anything is or is not going to happen. Amen? People many times are so connected to their feelings, to their emotions, that all the enemy has to do is come in and give you a little tweak in your emotion, in your feeling. And all of a sudden, well, I feel like they don't like me. They don't even know you. I feel like they're talking about me. What could we be talking about? I feel like they're looking at me. No. See how your feelings, your emotions can do? No, no, no. You make a decision. I'm not going to walk like that. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. You say, what does that mean to walk in the Spirit? You walk by the Word of God. You walk by your human spirit. The way your human spirit bends and moves, that's the direction you go. Not the direction of your... Many, many, many times in our walk of faith, Lee and I's walk of faith, I did not feel like going this direction. Matter of fact, I felt like going just the opposite direction. God would say, go this direction. I'd say, uh-uh, I don't want to go that direction. God would say, go that direction. I'd say, uh-uh, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. And God would say, go. And I'd finally make the turn. But this is where I'd find my blessing in going in God's direction. That's where I'd find the breakthrough. That's where I'd find the miracle. So I learned to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Now notice, what is a walk? A walk is not something that's quick. A walk is something that's slow and steady. Now we'll talk about a run in just a minute. But a walk is something that's slow and steady. You just pace yourself. You know, if you've got to walk a long distance, you just got to kind of take your time and just put one foot in front of the other. Just put one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Just keep on going. There's monotony to it. Amen. Uh, there's, it's tedious sometimes. There's not a lot of excitement to it. Oh, there's much more excitement to the 100-yard dash than there is to walking your dog around the block. I know we're fixing to have the Winter Olympics here in a couple of weeks. There's much more excitement to something fast and something quick. But I want you to know, it's your walk of faith. It's your walk in the Spirit that's going to cause you to live the overcoming life that God's called you to live. Walk means every day. Every day you walk. You may not run every day, but you walk every day. Amen. Not every day. I, I work out three days a week, so I don't run every day, but I do walk every day. Walk is our every, what are you doing every day? Are you reading the Word every day? Are you studying the Word every day? Are you meditating on the Word every day? Are you praying every day? See, the Bible says, though the outward man perisheth, the inward man is renewed day by day. So there has to be a daily walk. You've got to make a decision that I'm not just going to live for God on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. And then just leave the rest of it up to chance. Chance will wear you out. 
chance to keep you defeated. You've got to make a decision. This is my walk for the rest of my life. Then it says this. Oh, my time's almost up. It says we also walk in love. Ephesians 5, 2. Uh-oh. Everybody say, uh-oh. That means you have to make a decision. We've taught on love and taught on love and taught on love and taught on love. That means there are going to be people in your earth walk that are going to come down that path of righteousness that you're on that are going to irritate you, that you're not going to like, but you're going to get to love. That if it was up to you, you'd live on the other side of the planet. That their personality rubs you the wrong way. Amen. But you're going to have to make a decision. I don't care. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn to love them. So you got to learn to love. Love is what? It's part of the recreated fruit of the human spirit. You don't grow an orange overnight. Amen. There are fruits that it takes time to produce a fr- good fruit tree. It takes time to produce a good, I think it's some of the, some of the native uh, uh, pecan trees that are some of the better pecans take five years to produce any fruit. Well, if you dig that thing up after two years and say it's junk, I'm going to get me another tree, you're not going to have no pecan pie. <laughs> Amen? Well, you're going to have to let your human spirit develop, and you're going to have to learn to deal with people. Not just, you know, cuss them out in tongues. Like one preacher said, he said, you go around giving a piece of your mind to every person you're mad at, you're going to find out you ain't got a whole lot left. It's amazing how walking walking in love toward people will relieve you from so much stress and anxiety. And when you really don't care what people think about you anymore and you think, I'm just going to love them, I just love you, I love you with the love of the Lord. That don't mean you have to make everybody your best friend. That don't mean you have to put up with people's foolishness, foolishness either. A love walk in Christ is not a weakness, it's a strength. Amen. Then our run, everybody say our run. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, let us what? Run with patience the race that is set before us. This is literally talking about that which we are believing God for, that which we're running into in Jesus' name. Amen? When we make a decision that we're going to run. See, Paul was observing the athletic event. Of the basically of that which was going on during the day, the athletes of that day, the races that were taking place. He was observing that. Number one, a run is always scheduled. You say, what do you mean? You don't just go out and get up on Saturday morning and say, hey, I'm just everybody here at the dollar store. Why don't we all just run a marathon together? You won't get any takers. You say, why? A run takes preparation. You've got to prepare yourself for a run. Some of you don't realize that's why you're at Island Church right now. God's trying to prepare you for what? The destiny of your life. The run that God has for you. Runs, takes, they take endurance. You've got to stay with it. When the, when the going gets tough, you've got to get going. Amen? You've got to make a decision. There is a life worth living. There is a goal worth achieving. There are blessings that I cannot get for myself that I'm only going to get if I serve God. And I'm going to run the race that is set before me. I'm not going to give up. If I hit the wall, then I'm going to be like Jesus, and I'm going to learn to walk right through it. Remember, he didn't go over it. He didn't go under it. He went right through it. Amen. I'm not going to be stopped. I'm going to run the race. Notice what it says. With patience, another recreated fruit of the human spirit. Patience is what? Cheerful endurance with consistency. I'm going to find out when I'm supposed to sprint, when I'm supposed to pace myself, when I'm supposed to jog. I'm going to stay right behind God because if I stay behind God, I'm in the shadow of the Almighty. 
And my Bible says, he who dwelleth in the shadow of the Almighty shall be protected by God in everything that he does. And when you make a decision, there is a run that has been set before me, a specific thing that has been scheduled for me and me alone. Nobody else can do. Nobody. And you've got to understand this, church. This is why you're so unique. This is why God loves you so much. This is why you're so important to the kingdom of God. Nobody in here is unimportant. You're all very, very, just as important as I, as I am, as Pastor Leah is, as any preacher that's ever stood behind this pulpit. You are just as important because there are people that you can only reach. There are people that only you can touch with God. And it may be one or it may be one million. But whoever it is, God has a race for you to run. And in that run, there will be people that are observing your run. They're going to say, I want what they got. I want, it. I want to get in that event right there. That's the event that I want in my life because the run I'm in is killing me. The run I'm in is destroying my life. The run I'm in is causing me to be addicted. The run I'm in has caused me divorces. The run I'm in has caused health problems. The run I'm in has not given me peace. But I see this other guy. Man, he's been on this run. I've been watching him for five years. And it seems like his life is just getting better and better and better. That doesn't mean he hadn't had any problems. That doesn't mean he hadn't had any letdowns or setbacks. But he just keeps on running. He just keeps on carrying that Bible. He keeps on talking about Jesus. He keeps going to church. He keeps talking about how great God is and miracles and signs and wonders and all that. I think I want, I think I want in that run right there. And there's only people. There's people out there that only you can. And I heard the preacher say this year. And if you don't do it, God will get somebody else. He can't. Because that somebody else is doing what they're supposed to do. And this somebody else over here is doing what they're supposed to do. Only you can do what you're supposed to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Love the Lord tonight. Lift your hands up and thank Him. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.